This is democracy in reverse. Some politicians did not approve of the choice made by the majority of voters in a hard-fought election in which each side got the chance to make its case to the voters. And rather than adjusting their agenda, rather than changing their message, they're busy trying to change the rules. Well, that's easier. You know, just change the rules. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Who's it going to hurt? I got the feeling that something right. Oh, Democrats? I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Black people? And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. All the better. Change the rules. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the middle with you. Yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is The Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio, on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico, on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle, on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for you on the Internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, And all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast. Hello, Desiree Doyen. How are you today? I'm doing okay. Kind of shocked by all the voter suppression tsunami that is sweeping across the nation from Republican state legislatures. I'm sure I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Let's start here because, well, this is kind of fun. Uh, Now facing more than $1.3 billion in liabilities over her post-election conspiracy Conspiracy theories claiming that the Dominion Voting Systems Company used their computer voting and tabulation systems to flip votes from Joe Biden to Donald Trump. Team Trump attorney Sidney Powell told a judge this week in a legal filing that the defamation lawsuit filed against her earlier this year by Dominion should be dismissed. Why? Well, because according to her filing, quote, No reasonable person, unquote, would believe that her well-publicized comments about an international plot against former President Donald Trump were, quote, statements of fact. Really? Yes, really. Uh, That's what she's claiming. No reasonable person would have believed a thing she had to say. Now, Bradcast listeners will uh, well recall that Powell's claims about a nefarious worldwide conspiracy between Dominion and Venezuela and its former now-dead president, Hugo Chavez, and also, for some reason, Cuba and China, just for good measure, 
Not that any reasonable person would have believed it, uh, but that scheme was lifted, reimagined, and bastardized directly from my own deep-dive, detailed, absolutely accurate investigative reporting from 2010 at bradblog.com, where I had focused on two other companies and their relationship at the time to Venezuela. One of them was a Venezuela-tied voting machine company named Smartmatic, which until this year, for the first time here in Los Angeles County, Uh, Smartmatic had absolutely zero voting system contracts in the U.S., but that did not stop Team Trump attorneys, including uh, Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani, who has also been slapped with two defamation suits for more than a billion dollars each, both uh, by both uh, Dominion and, yes, Smartmatic. Uh, It didn't stop them from making these ridiculous evidence-free claims about Dominion, and for good measure, they would often just simply substitute Smartmatic for some reason into their election theft claims, uh, because in fact, my story did have to do with Dominion and Smartmatic and a company named Sequoia. So they just decided to drop Smartmatic in there in these uh, theft claims in battleground states, even though Smartmatic, of course, has no contact contracts whatsoever in any of those states. Now, in the months after the election, uh, the Texas-based attorney Sidney Powell became one of the most public faces of this campaign to discredit Joe Biden's win, lifting a phrase from a bad movie as she vowed to, quote, release the Kraken. Remember that? That was uh, referred to her massive lawsuits in four different states pushing the lie that the election was stolen. By the way, the Kraken was very easily defeated in that movie, apparently. Uh, And so were her lawsuits that were all tossed out. But in numerous TV and public appearances, as well as in court, uh, she spread conspiracy theories that Dominion and Smartmatic were part of a Democratic-backed scheme to rig voting systems, to count ballots more than once, to fabricate votes for Biden... So, yes, these were, in fact, ridiculous claims, at least to those of us who actually know about these companies, uh, what the evidence for Powell's claim ac- claims actually were or often were not because they didn't actually exist. There was no such evidence. You would just say stuff. But for the MAGA mob who heard the false claims loud and clear from Powell and from Giuliani and from Donald Trump and from right wing extremist media outlets like Fox News and Newsmax and OAN, Powell's false claims clearly amounted to hard evidence, at least to these people, that Dominion had stolen the election from Trump for Joe Biden. Of course, when she claims, quote, no reasonable person would believe her claims about Dominion, well, maybe that could be true if one considers the entire MAGA mob uh, to not be reasonable persons. I might buy that claim, uh, but I do doubt that a court of law will do so, especially since, as we have recently reported, jurisdictions like Stark County, Ohio, and the entire state of Louisiana recently ended consideration of Dominion voting systems for new multi-million dollar contracts based on what they describe as a mountain of constituent complaints about the company's voting systems, thanks to Powell and Giuliani's false claims. So, yes, Dominion will be able to show hard evidence of damage 
that the con- uh, the uh, company has experienced to its bottom line thanks to Powell's nonsense. In her motion to dismiss, uh, she does not argue that her statements were true. She claims they're not actionable because they are protected statements of political opinion. Quote, reasonable people understand that the language of the political arena is often vituperative, abusive and inexact, her motion argues. Uh, It is, quote, it is like uh, likewise a well-recognized principle that political statements are inherently prone to exaggeration and hyperbole. So release the Kraken was a political opinion? (laughs) I guess so. And the Kraken being these lawsuits and all of the evidence she was going to have Uh that she didn't have, but that she's claiming she didn't actually need to have because it was all just opinion. So when Powell repeated her conspiracy theories on Fox News and Fox Business and at the right wing fake news outlets like uh, the, the, the Epoch Times, her lawyers claimed that she was just informing the public about the ideas that she was advancing in her lawsuits. The political opinions, I guess. But as Zoe Tillman reports at BuzzFeed News, the hundreds of criminal cases that were brought regarding the January 6th insurrection show how potent Powell and other Trump allies' conspiracy theories actually were. For example, she cites one man who was charged with assaulting cops who echoed uh, Powell's false claims that voting machines were, in fact, tampered with. Powell, whose uh, law firm and nonprofit are also named as defendant, also uh, challenged the lawsuit on the basis of jurisdiction and venue, hoping, I guess, to toss out the suit based on standing. At least if her uh, I wasn't really lying, I was just not telling the truth and everybody knows it defense. If that defense doesn't work out, uh, they should throw out the suit anyway because they sued her in the wrong place or something. In addition, that's actually what she is claiming, this genius attorney, and of course we wish her the best of luck. Uh, In addition to potentially staggering liabilities, several $1.3 billion lawsuits, Powell may also be fighting for her law license. The state of Michigan and the city of Detroit have both asked a federal judge to refer Powell for disbarment proceedings arguing that she defrauded the court by lying about witnesses and violating rules of professional ethics. Uh, They cataloged her, quote, lies, unhinged conspiracy theories and fraud on the court. Detroit created this detailed list of Powell's courtroom and extrajudicial antics, such as pining for martial law, fundraising through these shadowy dark money entities and marshalling a secret witness codenamed Spider, who she had described as a military intelligence insider, but who actually was not. He turns out he was a military mechanic who later told a reporter that the legal team had made him submit a false declaration. Nonetheless, as ridiculous as all of this is, And as ridiculous as Sidney Powell's defense appears to be, all of these phony claims about fraud by Dominion and by voters in the 2020 election, as repeatedly made by Donald Trump and his pals, none of which, none of which have any actual evidence to back them up. And here we are, what, uh, December, January, what, four, four or five months after the election at this point? And yet they still 
have come up with no evidence to show any elections in any of the states should have been overturned. Nonetheless, those lies have had very real consequences. Obviously, in D.C., on January 6th, when uh, murderous insurrectionists attempted to take over the Capitol in order to try to stop the legitimate election results from being formalized by Congress, claiming that they were there to stop the steal. So, yeah, these are real-world consequences. And uh, as we have been reporting on this program, those consequences continue to reverberate, not just at the Capitol, but in state legislatures around the country, where Republicans continue to push hundreds of voter suppression bills to stop this pretend fraud based on Donald Trump's big lie. They are making it harder to vote based on a big lie. And nowhere might those lies have a more adverse effect on voters if Republicans have their way than in the great state of Georgia, where Joe Biden narrowly won in 2020 by about 12,000 votes. It was the first time in decades that a Democrat won the state at the presidential level. And then two Democrats, John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, they subsequently went on to win their elections to the U.S. Senate in Georgia in January, giving Democrats a narrow majority for now in the upper chamber of Congress. So, of course, the GOP is now doing everything that they can right now, even as we speak in the Georgia State House, to desperately try and change the rules for elections and voting to prevent Democrats from winning anything ever again if they can. And frankly... What they are now doing and may actually get away with is more nuts than I suspect you have actually heard. Longtime election integrity and voting rights champion Marilyn Marks of the Coalition for Good Governance. Yes, she is still fighting the good fights, many of them in Georgia. She joins us next to explain what you have not heard about what Republicans are trying to do right now to the state election system in the remaining few days before Georgia's legislative session ends for the year. That is straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Desi. The broadcast and the Green News Report survive thanks to you and your support. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today to help us stay independent every day over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. If you are traveling back to Georgia And we are Won't you stay with us then. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. As you uh, well know by now, Donald Trump tried to bully the Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger with demands to, quote, find the votes that would be needed to overturn Joe Biden's victory in the Peach State in a now infamous phone call that was leaked to The Washington Post back in early January. That phone call is now at the center of a criminal investigation by Georgia prosecutors into efforts to meddle in the state's elections, which could result in criminal conspiracy charges against Donald Trump, against his chief of staff, Mark Meadows, his attorney, Rudy Giuliani, and even South Carolina's U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham, who all participated 
in efforts to strong arm the state into stealing the election for Donald Trump in various ways. While that motley crew is being investigated for an attempt to defraud the 2020 presidential elections by uh, election by Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis in Atlanta, the Republican dominated state legislature is using the fraudulent big lie claims about fraud made by Team Trump to try and make voting harder in the peach state as just one uh, of the dozens of states where Republicans are trying to do the very same thing. But. Of course, in states like Georgia, a now very narrowly divided swing state and Arizona, which we discussed in some detail last week, changes big and small to access to the voting booth on Election Day and via mail voting can lead to a very big difference in the ultimate election results. And Georgia Republicans appear to know that as they scramble to upend voting as much as possible in the last days of this year's state legislative session. Last week, Democratic lawmakers and civil rights groups accused Georgia state Republicans of launching an ambush attack on the franchise after GOP lawmakers transformed what was a two-page bill limiting who is permitted to send out absentee ballot applications into a sprawling 93-page omnibus package that would significantly alter election laws and curtail voting rights. Stacey Abrams' Fair, Fair Fight Action Group called the move, quote, a desperate power grab to appease insurrectionists and losing political candidates. But the anger began to build last week when Republican lawmakers released this substitute legislation to their Democratic colleagues and some of the advocacy groups just one hour before a House committee hearing on the new bill, which suddenly contained elements of two other GOP-led attacks on voting rights that were contained in two other bills they were looking at uh, that the state legislature had already acted on in recent days. The president of the Georgia NAACP called the last-minute move outrageous. The NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund warned that the new omnibus bill, quote, combines nearly every tactic to disenfranchise black voters that we have seen to date, declaring on Twitter that, quote, this is a hijacking of democracy in plain sight. Georgia Public Broadcasting reported the newly overhauled SB202 bill added dozens of sections to the original measure, including banning people from giving food and water to voters waiting in line, limiting early voting days for larger counties and adding ID requirements to absentee ballots. The most controversial language in the bill, they said, would standardize early voting days and hours, forcing most counties to be open longer and add a weekend day of early voting. But that would prevent larger, more Democratic-leaning counties from having a full slate of weekend voting. Some of the eliminated days included the highest proportion of black voters during early voting and County election officials, large and small, have expressed concerns about the changes. New language in SB 202 would limit provisional ballots for out-of-precinct voters to those who show up after 5 p.m. only and who are willing to sign a statement that they could not make it to their original precinct. 
That's weird. The bill would also allow Georgians to initiate an unlimited number of challenges to voter registrations or eligibilities, and the challenge must then be heard within 10 business days of being filed. The new bill's opening pages parrot familiar Republican claims about the potential for, quote, rampant voter fraud in absentee voting. Despite the evidence for such fraud, at least in last year's election, perhaps the most closely examined ever, being virtually non-existent. Fair Fight Action said the newly revealed bill not only includes a false and misleading preamble promoting the big lie and conspiracy theories, but also includes disastrous assaults on the right to vote. The new bill would lead to longer lines, they say, restrict vote by mail and more. It also grants the state legislature unprecedented power over elections and the state elections board while stripping voters of representation. The Georgia Republican Party's aggressive efforts to roll back voting rights in the state have garnered attention at the national level with Senator Raphael Warnock, the new Democratic senator from Georgia, in his first ever Senate floor speech last week condemning these moves and the hundreds of other GOP-authored voter suppression measures across the country, describing them as Jim Crow in new clothes. We are witnessing right now a massive and unabashed assault on voting rights unlike anything we've ever seen since the Jim Crow era. This is Jim Crow in new clothes. Since the January election, some 250 voter suppression bills have been introduced by state legislatures all across the country, from Georgia to Arizona, from New Hampshire to Florida, using the big lie of voter fraud as a pretext for voter suppression. Politicians driven by that big lie aim to severely limit and in some cases eliminate automatic and same-day voter registration, mail-in and absentee voting, and early voting and weekend voting. They want to make it easier to purge voters from the voting roll altogether. And as a voting rights activist, I've seen up close just how draconian these measures can be. I hail from a state that purged 200,000 voters from the roll one Saturday night in the middle of the night. We know what's happening here. Some people don't want some people to vote. No, they don't. Joining us now is someone who does want people to vote, and she's joining us, I believe, for the first time in the new year. She is one of our go-to election integrity champions, especially when it comes to the many and varied dangers and disasters regarding elections in the great state of Georgia. Our friend Marilyn Marks is a longtime expert advocate for free and fair elections as executive director of the Coalition for Good Governance, a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization committed to fair elections and government transparency. Her group spearheaded the successful effort to get rid of Georgia's nearly 20-year-old, 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems, only to see them replaced in the Peach State with brand new 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems made by Dominion, 
which the uh, group is still challenging in federal court for legitimate reasons, as opposed to Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani's made-up reasons for which those two geniuses are now facing $1.3 billion defamation lawsuits each from the company. In addition to uh, attempting to oversee the voting machines in the state, Maryland has also been closely tracking the GOP attempts to undermine voting access entirely with this blizzard of last-minute voter suppression bills that Republicans are desperately attempting to enact before the legislative session ends in about one week's time. Oh, Marilyn Marks, welcome back to the broadcast, and I guess Happy New Year? I guess so. It's been a long time. But thank you, Brad. I appreciate the opportunity to yet again talk about Georgia's woes. Uh, Yeah, and plenty of woes, as usual, in Georgia. Uh, With everything else going on, including the mass shootings in Atlanta last week and in Boulder, Colorado this week, it's been very difficult keeping up with the hundreds of voter suppression efforts being made in dozens of states right now. But keeping up with Georgia alone and the uh, different and sometimes competing measures that have been flying through both the House and the Senate there in the in the state Senate uh, in recent days has been next to impossible, at least for me. So uh, while I know that things, I believe, are still changing almost on a minute by minute basis now, uh, if, if possible, I'd like to sort of start with the most objectionable provisions that I believe have at least been ruled out. Uh, there was a lot of ou- outrage last week about killing Sunday uh, souls to the polls voting when uh, black churches, uh, you know, often bus worshipers to the polls after church. Is that provision now gone or is that one still in place? It, it, it is still gone. Yes, it is gone. It is gone. Okay. And yes, and there was a limit on Saturday voting. That is gone. Good. Now, now the uh, jurisdictions or the counties can have um, dead they can vote through the weekends if they want. And I will say, Brad, that I'm sure your listeners have joined their voices with the voting rights organizations to be heard. The press, of course, you all have, have made such a huge noise that, in fact, the Republicans have had to back down on the most, well, I will say the second most egregious types of of changes that they mm-hmm. are trying to do. And I'm going to talk to you when, you know, when we get there about about the most egregious that hasn't gotten any attention. Yeah. But you are right. They are, um, and they got rid of the egregious change of trying to end no excuse mail balloting. Well, that's good, because, yeah, they were going to kill that entirely, which is a law that was put in place, I think, in 2005 by Republicans that anyone could vote by mail. They were trying to stop that, limit that. That is also now gone uh, from the legis from whatever legislation is moving forward. Yes, they do have too tight of a deadline on when you have to apply. But I think that actually conservatives think it's too tight as well. And I believe, I'm, I'm hopeful that we might see a little change there. But um, the um, yes, they so there is no excuse voting that will remain, but uh, it still needs a little bit of change. That at least but, is. But is, the voices it, have worked, is what I'm trying to say. The vo- well, that, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, I mean, the those most egregious uh, uh, provisions appear to now be out. And what would you? chalk that up to. I know that you you don't always work uh, hand in hand with a lot of the um, uh, 
the election, well, not the election integrity group, but the voting rights groups down there in Georgia. But it seems like everyone is sort of marching in lockstep against these bills. Is that what has forced the Republicans to back down on some of these? Uh, absolutely. And I will credit, you know, the press has, because these voting rights groups have made certain that the press understands just how much this was intentionally suppressing the vote. And the press has been relentless. They've gotten corporations involved, the, the voting rights groups have, mm-hmm. um, Chamber of Commerce, etc. And the Republicans saw that they had totally lost the messaging campaign there. That- um, and so, you know, that's, that's absolutely great. Now, I think that those same groups are struggling with how to message the part I wanted to talk to you about, Brad, which is the greatest kind of suffocation of democracy that I have ever seen that, that is being attempted in these bills. But it can come across as a little wonky, so it's hard to express the danger of what it is that they are trying to do. It was kind of mentioned in, in mm-hmm. some of the things that you read as statements, but that is that the state election board is to be able to take over any county where they don't like the how the county is counting the votes, mm-hmm. how the county's election processes work, and with hardly any due process, or really with no due process, but with just a few very minor violations, which anybody could find in any county, the state election board can come swooping in, put their partisan appointee in the place of the public board, Brad. They wipe out a public board so, of elections and put one person in charge. Let me make sure I understand this. So in, in Georgia, there is a, uh, there's a Secretary of State, there is a State Elections Board, and then each county has its own elections board, right? Correct? Except for the very tiny ones that are mm-hmm. run by a probate judge. Yes. Okay. But the vast majority have its, their own election board and many of them are bipartisan boards are, are, are those uh how are those elections boards selected are they elected officials or no they're they are generally not elected but unfortunately uh, there is no uniform way in georgia mm-hmm. and that would be a whole hours program on that <laughs> but generally they are county by county either appointed by their the local mm-hmm. parties the mm-hmm. democrats or republicans or in some cases they're appointed by the county commissioners and s- but they always have at least a handful of citizens, mainly citizen volunteers. Uh-huh. All the meetings are covered by sunshine laws. The public can go in and see what they're doing. The public uh-huh. can go in and say, wait a minute, that vote count for Senator Jones is wrong. Uh-huh. And there is an open process, as there is, as the American principle, of course, of citizen-run public elections, right? Uh, uh, sure. Well, what this bill, and it is the key bill here, is Senate Bill 202, as mm-hmm. you've already mentioned. It has provisions that all of that can be wiped out on a whim if the state election board, which is to be in this bill now, controlled five-member board, mm-hmm. three appointees from the Republican-controlled legislature. Mm-hmm. They can vote to... Let's say they don't like how Fulton County, which is Atlanta, Mm -hmm. 10% of the voters in the state reside in Fulton County. They have made a point for the last two years 
they want to take over Fulton. They don't like how Fulton operates. They could literally send in their appointee, fire all of the election board, has no more public meetings, conduct all of the balloting behind closed doors, certify whoever they wanted to as the winner, and there's hardly anything could be done about it. And they could do they this. They are trying to make that law. They, they this could be done essentially at any time that the state elections board decides they need to do it. A technical reading of the bill would say they need 30 days notice. Mm-hmm. However, what they can easily do is take all of the counties that they don't like the way they vote mm-hmm. and tee them up go ahead and find the violation, mm-hmm. you know, have an early preliminary hearing, and then if things are not going as they wanted to, mm-hmm. then bring down the hammer. And so these elections... It's not a court process. Yeah. It's, it's behind. Even the, even the deliberations of the state board, when they choose to do this, mm-hmm. in this bill it says they are to be done behind closed doors, not in public. And so these state, uh, these county elections boards, they're the ones who are responsible. They would first, I guess, certify the, the results of any election uh, at, the, at the county level before it's passed to the state. Uh, yes. and, and correct me if I'm wrong. And they would also decide, they also decide things like uh, voting hours and where the polling places will be and, and all of that stuff in each county. Is that correct? Exactly. And they're the ones who decide which provisional ballots get counted which absentee ballots, you know, the signatures Mm -hmm. uh, matched, which absentee ballots came in too late to be counted. You know, there's a lot of decision-making that would go on at that level in a public process. And in... Well... Yeah, go ahead, please. And this is an effort to say, nope, we're taking it behind closed doors if we don't like how this county is running. And to give us an idea of what that might have looked like, for example, in the 2020 election, with all of the nonsense and completely made-up stuff about what was going on Mm -hmm. in Fulton County, in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. this would have been a a, a Mm -hmm. case where the state could have just come in and said, well, we don't like what Fulton County Election Board is doing. We are replacing them with one guy who we choose ourselves. Correct. And that guy... Or, or or woman, I guess, could then uh, would then be responsible for certifying or not the results that were presented uh, by the voters. Yes, but uh, more likely, if there were mar- if it was a close margin, deciding whether to count certain provisionals, deciding whether to count certain absentees, deciding, you know, all sorts of uh, things that they could say were in the gray area. If mm-hmm. anybody could ever go in and look. So, yes, either either choosing the winners and losers themselves without in a unilateral mm-hmm. basis or deciding not to certify numbers that they didn't like. And so, yes, that's exactly what Fulton could have looked like. And, in fact, as I mentioned, the state election board, are, and more, more accurately, the secretary of state, who is the chair, secretary of state has just made no bones about it and he has said several times Fulton needs to be taken over yeah. and that is his goal they've made it clear and you know I, and I want to I want to underscore this uh, the Secretary of State of Georgia right now is Republican Brad Raffensperger and we had Marilyn you and I have been talking about him and problems with him for <laughs> years leading up to this yes, uh, the last November election but now because he did apparently stand up to Donald Trump a lot of democrats out there have made this guy out to be a hero a wonderful guy he's not so 
wonderful, uh, this Brad Raffensperger. He stood up to Trump, but, you know, quite frankly, my more cynical view is he was defending his voting system that he overspent on mm-hmm. by many times. Yeah. You know, he spent $125 million when he could have spent $30 million and had an auditable system, and he has an unauditable system. So he, did, he needed to defend that voting system. Trump or no Trump. Yeah, and I'm going to... And, um, I'm yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I actually have some uh, other questions about that voting system, because I know that you're still, uh, your group is still suing uh, to try to uh, block that voting system. So let me get there in a second, but let me fly through a couple of other points on this bill. There, there was this provision that it, that it would bar giving water or food or chairs or other support to voters in lines that are made longer by what the Republicans are now hoping to do here. Is that provision still in this bill? It is still in the bill. Wow. And, and the- that's, that is ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, it is that you could be arrested or fined or whatever it is for helping a voter to vote when in, you know, in Georgia, it's not unusual for hours long lines, two, three, six, uh, 10 hour lines uh, in some places uh, in Georgia. Because of that voting system. Yeah, I know. It doesn't. It's so complex. It won't work so many times. There and and there the the poll books are so bad, and you know we've sued over that. Mm-hmm. Um, the poll books are so bad, and of course, the larger the county, the more complexity there is in in this equipment setup. So you are right; there have been hours long lines, and various volunteer organizations are. In my observation, when I was in the polling places as a watcher. I saw them being extremely respectful of the no campaigning rules. Mm-hmm. They didn't have on shirts that said who they represented, you know, other than like a uh, some organization that wouldn't have any particular mm-hmm. political affiliation. Mm-hmm. There was no campaigning. There was no electioneering. It was really kind of a fun, hey, we're glad you're here to vote. You want a slice of pizza? And some of the Republicans have tried to claim, oh, they were giving pizza in exchange for a vote for Biden. I mean, it was just absurd. Of course, uh, but that won't stop them from acting on it and uh, trying to make it harder to vote. There's also a uh, requirement that I'm wondering if it's still in here for uh, ID, a new ID requirement for mail-in voting. Now, Georgia was one of the first in the nation to uh, famously require photo ID for voting at the polling place, but Republicans used to use absentee voting more than Democrats did, so photo ID restrictions did not apply to mail-in voting. Now Republicans are trying to do that, and I know there is a specific criticism you have had about this that I haven't seen pointed out elsewhere. Uh, So I want to get to that. But is that requirement still in there that they will require some uh, a a copy of a of a driver's license or a a driver's license number or something like that on all mail in ballots that are sent in now? Okay, so they will not require a photocopy. And they are going to require a number either from your driver's license or a state ID and if you have neither of those then a photocopy like of a utility bill or something of that nature Mm -hmm. but Brad this is going to when the Republican rank and file understand what these guys are doing Mm -hmm. 
in the name of security, it is just going to infuriate them because Georgia has good secure laws now on how your signature has to match Mm -hmm. and what to do if the signature doesn't match and giving the voter the chance to cure it. Mm -hmm. Well, what they are doing, they're getting rid of any notion of a signature match and only having driver's license number match or or the other ID that I talked about, Uh which means that you can go buy list of driver's license, fill them in. Uh It will really go from a situation where Georgia hasn't had a problem with mail ballot fraud to inviting mail ballot fraud. So in in trying... They are loosening the controls. Yeah, I was going to say, in trying to uh, fight fraud, pretend or otherwise, they're actually opening up a new uh, avenue for fraud. You noted on Twitter, I believe it was, that, uh, for example, uh, if, uh, you know, uh, someone is away at college and a ballot gets sent to their home, that their uh, father, for example, could, would have access to their, to their, perhaps to their daughter's driver's license number or something and be able to actually vote for them because families will also often have access to that sort of information from their spouses or their children or so forth. And that, right. a, a, as well, could actually increase fraud rather than decrease it. Marilyn, you're a, a long time. I know not anymore, but you were a not long anymore. I know you know where I'm going here. A long time Republican you have, but not anymore, but you have said you still are able to speak Republican uh, to some of those uh, Republicans in the legislature. Have you explained? these concerns and if so what what do they say it's really interesting brad i've been down at the capitol this morning and this afternoon and um yesterday as well and um what i get when i can finally get through to one of them Mm -hmm. they shake their head and they go you're right it this does degrade security (laughs) but the secretary of state wants this and everybody's just marching to this tune, and we know we are going to get all sorts of hell when the voters find out what we're doing, but we feel under such pressure to do something that we, it seems like, you know, all of them blame each other, you know, all their colleagues are just determined to do something, they're going to do something even if it is wrong. And um, I'm just mm. beginning to have those conversations with saying, look, this is going to blow up on you guys. It's not only going to invite fraud, but when your base realizes what you're doing, yep. that you're getting rid of the gold standard of signature verification and you're decreasing transparency. What the Republicans really wanted and why they were so upset in Georgia is that they didn't have the training, for one thing, Uh but they also really couldn't put watchers and monitors in the processing places as they wanted to. They had never pushed before to make sure that transparency was there. What they really want is transparency, and that is what we should all have. Mm -hmm. But instead, they're being given a degradation in the law Mm. to something the way it's described by, by some of these legislators is, Oh, well, driver's licenses are easy. Driver's license numbers are easy. It's no subjectivity. Well, yeah, that's the problem. It's easy. (laughs) Right. um, Easy for anyone. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. And, and Brad, the law, even though they have not thought this through, if I make up 
a, a driver's license number. I don't even go buy them on the dark web. I just make up a driver's license number yeah. and, for someone and have the ballot sent to me. Uh-huh. They will send a provisional ballot. I have. I will then have a live ballot that looks just like anybody else's ballot. And there are all sorts of ways to get that through the system. I mean, Georgia had good fraud controls and yeah. didn't really experience any fraud. So they're going to change it. So they've got open opportunities for fraud. Of course, and all of it is. And it's all of it is because, and I mean all of it is because Donald Trump was out there pretending that there was massive fraud with the signatures in Fulton County and Cobb County, even though they did a, 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 a post-election audit of those signatures in Cobb County and found nothing. While Donald Trump was haranguing the lead investigator, he may end up going to jail for that. Uh, but uh, you know, the, I, I, it sounds like this is just simply to appease the pretend concerns, the big lie concerns that he put out there about uh, signatures on absentee ballots. Would would you concur with that? It, it is, but it, it's only going to be a very short-term pacification. Yeah. Because when the rank and file catch up with the fact that they're degrading security, that they're going kind of from the top tier of required security to, like, the bottom tier that most states wouldn't have any part of, mm-hmm. they're not going to be happy about that. <laughs> and the the Republicans are just flailing around right now. The, the, the grassroots base were worried about the lousy machines, mm-hmm. and they were fussing, saying, do something about these lousy machines, do something about mail ballot security, and do something about transparency so that we can see what's going on. Well, of all things, of course, they're going backwards on all of these issues. And rather than doing what the base wants, and they're just, the truth hadn't caught up with them. But interestingly, on the transparency, what they've done is that they have said, okay, you can have some poll monitors to watch mail balloting. But they put in a provision that the poll monitors cannot go tell their parties what they're seeing. <laughs> what? So if they're seeing... Yeah, what? Yes. So if they are seeing mishandling of mail ballots, uh-huh. whether it's, you know, rejecting or accepting signatures they shouldn't or not counting things, That's... there's a provision that says you may not tell anyone other than the election official. Oh, you can't tell anybody except the perpetrator of the crime. Yes, exactly. Good God. What a ridiculous... <laughs> What a mess. Listen, uh, Marilyn, I want to keep you around. I want to take a quick break here because I do want to come back and very quickly talk to you about uh, those what you describe as lousy machines. But is there anything that uh, folks either? uh, Well, I guess the question is, is this going through all of these uh, measures? They've got just about a week's time before the Senate, you know, ends the session for the year. Will will this bill make it through? And then I guess, will it be signed by Brian Kemp? And if so, is there anything any of us can do about it? Well, um, it is really uncertain as to what the outcome is going to be. The betting right now is that something like this is going through. But it is very tenuous. And so, yes, your listeners absolutely can do something. And I would suggest that they write Governor Kemp mm-hmm. because, you know, that's going to fall in his lap, but also write the president of the Senate, Jeff Duncan. And my suggestion to your listeners, Brad, would be for them to talk about not so much the voter suppression things that we've been hearing about. They've gotten that message. That stuff is 
mm-hmm. it's kind of under control. They need to talk about the county takeover, the takeover of elections by the state election board mm-hmm. is completely anti-democratic. They also need to talk about, even though it's kind of Republican talk, wait a minute, don't take a state that didn't have election fraud and invite it yeah. by by degrading this to just you turn in your driver's license number and everything's cool. All right, uh, stand by. And Marilyn, uh, hopefully you can give me some uh, contact information for Governor Kemp and for Jeff Duncan, the president of the Senate. I will include it when I uh, post today's show at bradblog.com so people can speak up about that. Let me take a very quick break here. We'll come back for a very short segment with you, Marilyn, to talk about those lousy Dominion machines. I'm speaking with Marilyn Marks, the uh, uh, the executive director of the Coalition for Good Governance. That's coalitionforgoodgovernance.org, who has uh, been suing to block those Dominion voting systems in Georgia. We'll take a quick break, come back and get an update on that. I'm Brad Friedman. You are listening to The Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Our nightmare election may be over, but new ones are on the way. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to do it. Please stop by bradblog.com donate to make an automated monthly pledge of any amount you like or even just a one-time-only contribution to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. The fight for voting rights, civil rights, and to save our planet continues. Please help us continue that fight independently over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com donate right now. Go ahead, do it right now. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Got a few more minutes here uh, to speak with our friend Marilyn Marks, the longtime expert advocate for free and fair elections as executive director of coalitionforgoodgovernance.org. As I noted earlier, she had uh, uh, successfully, her group had successfully sued to get rid of Georgia's 20-year-old unverifiable touchscreen voting systems made by Diebold, only to see them replaced statewide by uh, their new Republican Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, with unverifiable touchscreen voting systems made by Dominion Voting Systems. If that name sounds familiar, well, I covered earlier in the program the fact that Trump attorney Sidney Powell uh, is being sued for $1.3 billion in a defamation suit concerning her lies about Dominion Voting System Company. Uh, And I discussed her attempt to toss that suit by claiming that, quote, no reasonable person, unquote, would have believed her wild conspiracy claims about Dominion would have believed that they were, quote, 
statements of fact. Uh, Marilyn Marks, in fact, you and the Coalition for Good Governance has been suing the state of Georgia for some time now due to your concerns about those touchscreen systems made by Dominion that Georgia forced on all voters at the polls for the first time in last year's elections. You have been brutal, frankly, in your assessment of Dominion systems over the past several years, as we have discussed on this show many times. Why hasn't Dominion sued you, Marilyn Marks? Well, as you know, Brad, we don't allege things that we don't have very solid proof of, and we have the nation's top security experts working with us who who prepare their papers, their declarations under penalties of perjury, and you know we work in fact not ridiculous allegations like Sidney Powell's group. So did and um, did did that sorry, go ahead. well did that suit against Powell and, and Giuliani give you any pause in your own critiques of the company? Um, it put us in a, a weird position because we are very critical of their ballot marking device system, as you know, and a lot of the software um, vulnerabilities mm-hmm. that are throughout that system. But yet, we. We do not like to see false allegations made. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to be fair. We need to be factual. And it is clear that even though we don't like this product, there were many of the Sidney Powell folks and Lynn Wood folks mm-hmm. who were just making up things. <laughs> and she says no reasonable person would believe. So we would come to Dominion's defense on many of those false allegations that were made against them. Good. Well, you know what? Good. I feel better because I have been somewhat uncomfortable over the past several months finding myself coming to Dominion's defense, which is a very strange place for me to be, and I suspect you're feeling the same. Uh, Marilyn, we, you know, we've been reporting for years uh, that these touchscreen systems, these ballot marking devices are essentially you know, $4,000 electric pens, that they are both a waste of money and that they can never be verified as actually reflecting the intent of any voter, these computer-printed, marked-out ballots. Yet, that legitimate claim about the systems uh, used in Georgia was never actually made by Team Trump when they challenged the Georgia results uh, in 2020. Were you were you as surprised about that as I was? Because, you know, th- that would have been a legit criticism that I would have had to back them up on that claim, as maddening as that might have been. They never really tried to get into it because that would take, you know, a real scientist and uh, real facts, and that's not what they were dealing in, Brad, as, as you know. And, uh, you know, the kind of allegations that we've been making and from mm-hmm. uh, ballot marking device issues is that those things are so based in fact and understanding and a patient knowledge of how it all works. They didn't even want to go there. <laughs> Quite frankly, I believe that in many of their allegations and the way they file these lawsuits, they never in wanted to or intended to try to prove any facts that mm. this was all about money raising, raising hell, raising people's ire. But I believe that half the reason that or more than half the reason they never even got to trial is because they never intended to. Mm. They knew they couldn't win mm-hmm. and they didn't want to go try these cases 
on the facts because Dominion would have beat them on those things, for example. Yeah. And you make great points. Of course, you know, facts, understanding, patient knowledge of how things work. You know, that's a hallmark of Donald Trump and his team. So I'm surprised. (laughs) What is, uh, before I let you go, Marilyn, very quickly, uh, the status of that ongoing lawsuit now to try to block the use of those new Dominion machines uh, in federal court. You were successful in in finding the uh, Diebold systems to be unverifiable, unsecure, and therefore unsecure constitutional uh, at the federal level. The suit Does that suit continue now against it Dominion? It absolutely continues. It continues right now. It is going a little slowly as we are waiting on um, some rulings from the court on some procedural matters. But it is moving along and will continue to. And uh, we need support. And quite frankly, I have been spending so much time down fighting down at the legislature fighting for the last three months on Mm -hmm. these bills that I have not done a good job on fundraising. (laughs) So I need to ask your listeners to help us out to keep the lights on so that we can keep marching ahead on our BMD Mm -hmm. lawsuit as well as as we wrap up this last week of session to try to defeat defeat what's going on there in Georgia. I will uh, I will add my endorsement to that and ask listeners to support any way they can the important work you're doing not only on uh, on the voting systems but on the election rights as well in Georgia. Folks can go to coalitionforgoodgovernance.org. I'm sure there's a handy donate button somewhere there. Uh, please uh, consider supporting this effort. Uh, these guys are just doing a fantastic job and we would ask you to spread the word uh, because it is so important, I believe, what Marilyn and her group is uh, doing. You can find and you should follow her on the Twitters for all of this uh, up to date at Marilyn R. Marks, the number one. Marilyn R. Marks, one. Uh, and, of course, uh, links to uh, Coalition for Good Governance are available there as well. Marilyn, always great speaking with you, even in the Thank new year. Thank you so much, Fred. Thanks for all you're doing down there, and uh, stay in touch. We may uh, shout out again before all of this is said and done, uh, before I the end of the so. session. There will be some interesting chapters next week. Good luck. Stay safe. Uh, okay, thanks, Marilyn. Thank you. All righty. Bye-bye. I got to get out. Thanks yes. to uh, my producer, Desi Doy, and thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it for free at bradblog.com, a service made possible by those of you, and I mean you, who have stopped by bradblog.com slash donate. Thank you. Drop me email if you like. I'm Bradcast at Bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, you will find me at the Bradblog. That's it. We'll see you there until I see you here next time. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs>